and welcome to Out of the Ordinary. This week I'm going to meet a young mum of five children who spends two nights a week setting up a stand just on the corner of Grafton Street where she doles out hot meals and warm clothes to the homeless. Her name is Lynn Cal and she does this along with other members of her newly formed group, Gorgeous. It's uh, just gone 8.30pm on a very cold and damp Monday night and Lynn and her friends, I see them setting up the stand. They have a car just kind of at the edge of Grafton Street and they're taking out black bags and I can see people who are homeless already gathering. I think she's giving out Christmas presents. Hi, is it Lynn? It is indeed. Hi, you're at the back seat of your car. You've bags and bags and bags. What's going on? I'm trying to get everything organised to hand out to people as best I can. Thank God it's not raining. It's always worse when it's raining. Thank you very much. Just the people help people help me. Very welcome. What did you get, sir? I don't know. Speak. Don't speak. Very good people. Irish. Where are you from? Romania. Romania. Okay, and are you living on the streets? Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. Thank you. Okay, thank you, thank you. You have a Toyota Corolla and it's bursting with stuff. What are you handing out there? Um, It's just a little Christmas gift box. Socks, underwear, toiletries, little Christmas card, that kind of thing. It's what, a Toyota Corolla car? What have you got in it? Can you describe it for people who can't see it? Okay, I have a full to the brim with clothes, yeah, sorry, clothes, sleeping bags, toiletries, socks, underwear, uh, Christmas presents, sweets, drinks, food, more clothes, more clothes, more sleeping blankets, uh, ground mats, you name it, I have it. Hello, how are you? How are you? Not Loads of clothes, take your pick. Here you go. Happy Christmas. Yeah, thank you. You're thank very you welcome. Very much. Yeah. Where's I'm looking for the jackets and kind of Have a look over there. There's loads. Where's Where's your friend? Uh, they disappear somewhere. Is he okay? Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Okay, send him up to me. I have something for him. Yes, I tell him. Yeah. Brilliant. No problem. Okay, see you later, friends. Let's go over to the stand over there. I just want to bring these bags. Okay. Can I help? Always. Okay. Let's go over to the stand. So this is the stand you've set up here. My God, you've happy birthday cakes and everything. Yeah. yeah, we have a bit of everything. We have, um, this is Denise. This is one of the volunteers. Hi, Hi. Denise. How are you? I'm not too bad. How are you? Well, what's the demand like this evening for the sandwiches and the food? They're dying for us to get going. Dying for a cup of tea and coffee and looking for some cake as well. Brenda, as you can see, we have the whole table set up here. We have sandwiches. We have cookies. Um, the bags down there are hot food with um, spaghetti bolognese, coddle, that kind of stuff in it. We've water, we've juices, tea, coffee, an abundance of sandwiches and more cakes and nice stuff over there. How many volunteers have you helping you this evening? Brenda, we've nine people here all together. It's coming up to nine o'clock. How long will you be here tonight on this cold Monday night? Uh, we'll be here until one o'clock in the morning. Okay. What happened there? I missed something. A lovely person just passed by and handed us 50 euro. That happens all the time? Well, not all the time, but coming up to Christmas, people are very generous. People are very generous all year round, to be honest with you. But um, coming up to Christmas, people really feel for the homeless. It's it's a time when isolation is on everybody's mind. and it's Hello. Calypso. The man. Oh, yeah, that's me. Thank you very much. Yeah, okay. Thank you very much. Dog. We do it every Monday and Friday from 9 Aww. o'clock onwards. Isn't that nice? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And why did you come up and give some money, do you mind me ask? Oh, just to support when I saw them all here, you know, the way and we're going into that hotel. I thought, you know, the way, it's a cold night. 
You're great people. Thank you very yeah. much. See you later. Bye-bye. As we were saying, people come up and just hand you money. Yeah, people are great. I mean, if you were ever worried about the world and what humanity looked like, come out and spend the night with us and you will see how good people are. Straight away, what strikes me is the wonderful Christmas lights here on Grafton Street and everybody in festive form. There are people having office parties, etc. But, I mean, you're here giving out food to people who really need it. They're two completely contrasting situations. In front of the Westbury Hotel. I know. <laughs> I mean, does that strike you or how do you, how do you feel about that? Yeah, it definitely depends on whose eyes you're looking through when you see the festive lights. And to us, it would look like, oh, wow, it's Christmas, whereas other people are trying to block it out completely because mm. it's the one time of the year where you feel isolated most, you feel at your lowest, and you really feel that people are struggling as what will happen next and where will they be for Christmas. And I might add, while I'm talking to you, that we're doing Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve here at 9 o'clock at night, so people won't miss out. You want to introduce me to somebody? Yeah, this is Dolce, Dolce Brenda. Hi, Dolce. Hi, what Brenda. a lovely name. <laughs> Thank you. Where are you from, Dolce? I'm originally from Spain. Okay. Myself. And yeah. what's your connection here with Lynn? Well, we met like almost a year ago now. Like she was looking for people to volunteer, and I was like, here I am. <laughs> so, chef. yeah, I'm a chef. We say, look, I don't have anything to donate, but I can donate my time and my cooking. So I did that. I, I just whipped her up. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you cook? Well, we try to do kind of really homemade meals. I would mm. do bacon and cabbage, and I would do like bolognese, mm. and I don't know what else I do, like bake, uh, baked beans and sausages, something like it's hearty and filling. And, you know. and I know it's an obvious question, but why did you want to do it? It's kind of a s- strange, like you think yourself, why do you do it? And I, it's just you feel it. You, mm. you feel it inside you that you have to do it. It's like something that you have to do. It's like being. I mean, I know it probably sounds a bit silly, but it's like being an artist, you feel like you have to do it. Mm. You just do. I volunteer a couple of times with some of the other big charities mm. like St. Vincent. And they are, we're only doing sandwiches and soup. So we say we cook meals, like proper meals. Mm. And when I heard this woman saying that she was doing that, I was like, look, she's doing what I always thought I would like to do. <laughs> so that's why I joined her and nobody else. Well, I well, hold on for Lynn. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that, this is one of my best friends and she, she's amazing. Like, as I said to you, the whole entire group are just outstanding and without them we wouldn't be gorgeous you know we all bring a little different part to the table and that's fantastic and that's what makes us work Brenda if you want to continue the conversation in the car where it's warm out of the cold while everything's quiet at the start of the night so we can continue our conversation yeah perfect if I can get into the car with the bags right we're in the car it's nice and warm Lynn thank you (laughs) can I find out a little bit about yourself are you just gone 30 I am indeed. I was married recently in June this year um, to my wonderful husband. We have five kids and my children are 14, 10, 5, 4 and 1 years old. And the reason there's a bit of a clinking when you speak is because... I just got my tongue pierced as sad as that is for a 30 year old. (laughs) You had to mention my age. (laughs) And is it sore? Um, It is, yeah, because it's quite swollen at the moment. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about how you ended up in Kilcock. How did you meet your husband? What's the story there? Um, Yeah, I was actually homeless myself, which is what gave me the idea to start this up. I met my husband in uh, intermediate housing, St. Catherine's Foyer in town, and we hit it off straight away, and we've been together ever since. 
How come you were homeless, can I ask? It was actually down to myself. I was a rebellious teenager and decided that I wanted to live on my own. And I attempted to and it didn't work out. And me being stubborn, decided I was going to stick it out. And I had the opportunity to go into this fantastic place called St. Catherine's Foyer. And it's where you have your own little apartment, but it's in a community. So I decided I'll take this. And I'm very grateful I did because I met my husband there. That's quite rebellious. What age were you around then? I was 18 and yeah, it was quite rebellious. I'm rather stubborn. (laughs) But at the time, I I remember it very clearly actually. Um, The very first night I was homeless, I slept rough and I slept on the boardwalk in town and I realised then it was probably a bad mistake and I should go home but out of stubbornness I decided not to and it was a scary night and I didn't sleep much but I quickly learned how to get food, where to go, services available. I eventually got the opportunity to go into St Catherine's Foyer. So you were a young 18-year-old sleeping on a boardwalk without any kind of background of that? No, absolutely nothing at all. I came, I come from a great family. My grandmother is an absolute angel. She's my everything. Teenage stupidity. <laughs> and had she any idea that you were on a boardwalk on your own? No, no, not a clue. She would have killed me. I have a young uh, teenager as well. She's 14 and I'd absolutely lose my mind if it was the other way around. But I suppose things happen don't they Mm. I was very very scared the first night I um, didn't come across much in fairness Um, the first time I went in to stay in a hostel was in Abbey Street Uh, I got into a confrontation with this girl and she hit me in the face with a fire extinguisher and that was probably the worst thing that ever happened to me while I was homeless when you say you're rebellious was it was drink drugs any of those things no no nothing definitely not no I was never never a drinker never never into drugs at all it was just I wanted to be free explain that a bit more please I don't know how to explain it exactly and I just felt that I always wanted the adventure I always wanted more in life from a young age I always thought I want to build houses in India I want to be with the third world children who are starving. I used to go around um, with food to homeless people around the area where I was. I used to give away my clothes. (laughs) Ridiculous things. My dad gave me 100 euro one Christmas and I went straight up to the spa shop um, where I knew a guy was staying and I gave him that. And I just... Was he homeless? Yeah, yeah. A guy that I regularly went to. Just to see his face light up, I always knew that I was kind of destined to do something where I would make people happy and this is where I feel at home for the first time in my life I feel that this is exactly where I'm meant to be right now I'm not looking for the adventure anymore I'm completely content Do you think your experience when you were 18 and you were homeless helps you understand them or connect with the people you meet on the streets? Definitely, 100% I completely get it because I was there I've seen it, I've experienced it, I've felt it, I know what the, the feeling of loneliness and emptiness and it's just completely hopeless and I want to rectify that. I want to go out and I want to fix everybody. I want to make sure that everybody's okay and I know that because I felt it. So I feel like I'm the fixer. And do you feel that they connect with you because you tell them about your experience or how does it work? Oh yeah, definitely. I have a personal relationship with 90% of everybody that's here. Um, I'm very open and honest. I tell you my life, not a problem. I'm an open book. I tell everybody my stories and what I've experienced and I feel that that makes somebody understand you and if you have a connection and a mutual trust, it makes everything just 
flow. Everything's a, a million times easier. And I think people really feel that, well, this person has been here too. So she's not just fobbing me off and saying what I want to hear. She's actually being real and telling me the truth and she gets me. And that's very important. That's why we are, we're called Corges, because it means friendship in Irish. And that's what my... My, my thing was at the start of it, my complete intention was to become friends prior to anything else and above anything else. I wanted to have a personal relationship and I wanted to make sure that people felt that they were appreciated and they were valued and that it's stigma free and that's what I try to achieve here. If I can just paint the picture here, we're sitting in your car, we're looking out at people going through bags full of clothes and so many people coming up. I mean, how can you possibly have a personal relationship? Yeah, we see new faces all the time. There's a couple of guys there I don't know, but yeah, 90% of them I would know. And now I want that personal relationship. I sit down, I make sure I have at least 10 minutes with everybody that I would know and try and get to know the people that I don't know because that's paramount to me. That's the most important thing in the world for them to know that they can come back here and they're wanted and they're, they they feel like they're appreciated here because I think that's what people miss most. When they're passing somebody by, you almost desensitise yourself from... You see so many homeless people, mm. you're kind of like, oh, it's just another homeless person, it's nothing new. So homeless people feel that 100%. They feel like, oh, you're just passing me by, like I'm a human too. And that's the most important thing that they that here, this is their home, this is their place. This We're friends here. We're not charity or an organisation or whatever you want to call us that just come out, feed, clothes and go home and switch off because that's not what we do. It's a friendship, a bond. And I lay awake at night thinking about people. I worry about people. If I don't see a particular person, I will worry about that person until I see them again I have a lot of phone numbers for lots of people here and I'll check on them if they're not here So Lynn five young children in your 20s I presume you were having them and rearing them and you're still obviously doing that how does that balance how does it work First of all, my kids are fantastic and they always want to help. They're always making sandwiches, they're always packing bags. Everything that comes into the house, is this for us or is this for the homeless? Where do we put this? Where do we put that? Okay, we'll box that off and put that over there. Make sure that they have that for this day and that for that day. It's great. And it instills the proper values in them and that is so important to me. I want my children to grow up with morals and integrity and knowing what's right from wrong and understanding compassion. Compassion is a big word in my household. You have to understand people. Tell me about your husband because he sounds very supportive as well. Tell me about meeting him, particularly in a hostel and having obviously the connection that you have. Yeah, um, it was love at first sight, simple as. What's um, his name? Gareth. Yeah, from the very first time we met, from the first time we locked eyes, we, I think we both knew, we did because we've talked about it, that we were going to be together and that was the end of it. And when I started Corges, we weren't always like this. We were we actually um, started out with buggies. We used to come into town and have trolleys and buggies and load everything up sky high and walk the streets. It's only more recently we've gotten more professional looking. <laughs> um, and you know what? He has had my back since day one. He takes everything in when I'm not there he sorts it all out he makes sure that everything goes in rotation for what day I should bring stuff out he puts up with me <laughs> he he listens to me he guides me he's he's literally my other half in every sense of the word what happened for you that you ended up doing this was there time a moment a meeting how did you come to this there was indeed this time last year my lovely friend Nicola who runs the group 
visit in Tala. She asked me last year to come out on the streets of Dublin. She goes out once every year and hand out sandwiches and stuff like that. And I agreed to. The night we were meant to go, she decided that she wasn't going. And she said, I I can't get a babysitter or whatever the reason was at the time. I'm sure it was valid. She said, you go out, you, you go, I'm meeting a few guys in town, you go in with them. And I said, I don't know those people, I'm not going in on my own. And she said, no, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. So, long story short, I wrote my friend William into coming in with me. And uh, we went in, we couldn't find these guys that we were meant to be meeting. We had sandwiches, clothes, toiletries, that kind of thing. And we literally walked around for four hours. And there was this one guy that we met, and I, I wanted to give him a sandwich. And he had taken some toiletries and some other bits and pieces. So I gave him the sandwich anyway, and he said, you know what, thank you, but I, I can't eat that. And I said, oh, do you want a different one? Here, here's a ham one or whatever. And um, he said, no, it's not that. He said, if I gave you sandwiches for your breakfast, lunch and dinner, how soon before you started gagging? And that really resonated with me. You know, I, I, I kept thinking about it. And as I stood there, I thought, you know what? I'm a good cook. I'm going to cook. I'm going to bring a pot of food the next time. And I'm going to hand it out. And I thought, how am I going to do this? And it occurred to me that I have a big, my grandmother's big old pot. And I could put like towels around and cardboard and I could keep it warm. And that was grand. So the next time I came out after cooking um, shepherd's pie, I think it was, I met the same guy that said that he couldn't have the sandwich. And I said, are you hungry? And he said, I told her I can't have this and I said how would you like a shepherd's pie and he kind of looked at me and I handed him a bowl of shepherd's pie and the, the look on his face he was just so happy I just thought this is what I'm doing so I said to my friend William will we go out and do this once a month after two times I decided once a month wasn't enough it was going to be once a week after doing that I think once we got a couple of those girls over there who have been with me from the start Rachel being one of them we decided we were going to go out twice a week I never expected it to become this you know I expected it to be a small time me and my friends coming out making a small difference feeding a few people and coming home I never expected it to be create its own identity form its own legs and create this whole social gathering that it does and now we have so many people coming volunteering donating it's it's incredible the first time in my life I, I realized that you can Put your mind to something and do whatever it is that you want to do. You just have to believe in yourself. Does it get you what you encounter on the street? Definitely what I encounter on the street gets to me. I know so many people, like I said to you personally, and I know stories about them and what they have to overcome and how they end up being here and what they've gone through. And it's just, there's often nights I lie awake six o'clock in the morning and I'm just like, I can't go to sleep. I can't get this person out of my head. After just hearing a story, it's so hard to switch off. You can't switch off. I have this one guy, you'll see him over here. His name is Jude. He's actually bent over there. Did you see him with the hat? Yeah. This guy is 54 years old. He has scoliosis of the spine. He also has two breaks in his back. This guy is on the streets 24-7. He's in agony. He's on strong medication that's often taken from him. He's assaulted for it or he's robbed for it in his sleep or whatever. We actually have a GoFundMe open at the moment for him to try and get him into accommodation where he will have a deposit and a couple of months rent. So it will get him back into a rented living again and he, he's actually a tattoo artist and even with his complaint and he is in constant pain, he wants to be 
a productive member of society he wants to work he wants to do these things and uh, he just needs a leg up and at the moment we've raised 950 euro for him and we're still going a couple of couple more donations and we'll be there and if you want to donate it's on gofundme.ie on my page and um, he is a wonderful guy this guy has been one of the first people i've come in touch with i think he's the inspiration i don't know how he functions his age he should be doing the easy things in life and here he is sitting on the streets wondering where he's going to bed down for the night how much cardboard can he get because he needs to make a soft underneath for himself because his spine literally curves so badly that he can't lie flat he has to lie on his side it's just it's horrendous and you meet so many people so many stories that just chills you to the bone and you think god how lucky am i you, you can't leave it at the door it's impossible you do your best to leave it at the door you can't what about giving it up then saying hang on this is taking over my life i've got kids i've got whatever well let me start you with i will never give up this is for life i will never stop this and um, the drive is that when you see somebody coming to the table and they need jeans or they need clean boxers or they need a cup of coffee or a, a thing of food because they're so hungry or their trousers are wet or too small or dirty or blah 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 so when when you hand these people these things the, the smile on their face their eyes light up and for that split second everything's right in the world and that's what drives me and then as passionate as you are about the homeless people that you meet and how much you want to help them have you thought about going the political route and trying to change policy or is this mainly just about helping on the ground I've tried my very best to stay out of politics because I think when you get messed up in politics, it takes away from the friendly rapport that we have. It's been so long built up and people trust us. And of course, I advocate for people. I advocate for people all the time. I ring the council for people. I ring TDs for people. I've housed people. I've had people who have been homeless and I've gotten them into full-time accommodation. And that's an achievement for me. We have this and it's built up for so long and I've put my blood, sweat and tears into it as every single member of this team and I just feel that if it's not broken, don't fix it. One of the things that's really obvious here, how grateful the homeless are for what they're receiving and they might only be a pair of socks but they really are delighted with it and I don't mean that in a patronising way, you know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say, yeah. they appreciate it. You know what, Brenda? They do. They really do. Every last person here are so appreciative for the stupid little things in life that that should be a given. Do you know what? The truth be told, we get more out of this than they do. Do you ever take orders, Lynn? If somebody came up and they were short of something, would you say, I'll come back next week with that? That's a story of my life. <laughs> um, yeah, of course we do. I have a folder. If somebody wants a pair of jeans, I'll get them a pair of jeans. If somebody is working and living on the streets and they need a bicycle, we got that too. We had a family come up to us there not too long ago with a seven-month-old baby who was lactose intolerant. They actually had somewhere to live. They were sharing a room in a three-bedroom house and they came up to us very, very wearily and ashamed and not wanting to ask for help but knew they had to. I did an appeal, is how I call it, and I asked for people to help with nappies, lactose intolerant baby products, stuff for mum and dad. We ended up with 22 tins of formula, dozens of packets of nappies, three or four carrier whole-all bags of toiletries, mountains of food, stuff for mum and dad, and we're continuing to help them. Apart from your five wonderful children, Lynn, this is some achievement here, looking at how all the volunteers have come together. And you started this with going around with a buggy and uh, some hot food. Do you ever think of it like that? 
Apart from my kids, this is my greatest achievement in life. This is the first time, as I said to you, in my whole life where I feel I'm exactly where I'm meant to be, doing exactly what I'm doing. I don't very often get to sit in the car and observe this. I'm just filled with pride. Me and those guys out there, those amazing volunteers, we made this. We have gotten this to grow on its on its own and we've nurtured it like you'd nurture a little baby and it's it's come to life and yeah th- 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 this is definitely my greatest achievement we get out so Lynn into the cold into the cold Brenda there's Carlos if you yeah. want to have a chat with him yeah great guy oh yeah you know Carlos I do I know him well great guy hey Carlos thanks for talking to me how, how are, you? are you tonight I'm alright not too bad uh, where are you from from Bray yeah. and are you living on the streets mm-hmm. how long Sorry, six months. At the start, it was, I started in the summertime, it was good because the weather was better, I was new to it, so for me it was therapeutic as opposed to being just worse things than being homeless and uh, I could start a new life, which I have done, so it was therapeutic. Now coming towards the winter and just different ongoing problems that you accumulate while being homeless is not as favourable, you know, but it's still alright. It's, yeah. it's not alright. It's not alright. It's no. not alright, but I'm saying given the circumstance, I'm okay. You know, people have the assumption that people like use heroin and all that prior to being homeless. It's when they're homeless, they get into depression especially towards the winter time and the drug dealers are more than happy to cater to their needs and that's how they get the heroin their lives go down the drain people spend like 20 years on the streets and there's no like people sleep out rough hoping to hear me to die a fella died there over sleeping back you know what I mean it wasn't even in the paper and if it was it was something minimal um, so it is very bad so where are you at then Carlos are you have you been tempted to take drugs have you taken drugs what's your what's your story then I used to have smoke cigarettes yeah. on a therapeutic level now I get into Herbal uh, content, mm. but I'd never go near heroin and all that at right. this moment in time. Because God knows, we're here one more year, I can get into depression, different mindset completely, and I could, I really would mm. fall into that because everyone else does. Is there any hope for you getting a place? There's hope for you getting a place based off the support I get from soup runs and mm. key workers, people in hostels. Um, if it wasn't for those people, I would not be where I am right now. I still be depressed and suicidal, and um, that's a vital component of getting out of it, and a lot of people don't have it. And what did you have tonight, Jemima asked? I had stew and a cookie. Mm. This is my socialising, this is where I'm happy. When I'm not here, it's when I'm down. So this is what I look forward to, which is pretty sad to be honest with you, you know what I mean? Mm. I have nothing else to look forward to, any motivation or anything to bring me up apart from this, so I'm very grateful for it. I've met a lot of people on the street throughout the six months, and people on the street, and this is not biased, because I haven't always been homeless, people on the street are far more loving, genuine, and better people than people, uh, housed individuals, if you put on on a general level. Can I tell you, I'm starting to get really cold. I can barely feel my toes. So I will go home to a lovely, comfortable bed tonight. I might even throw the electric blanket on. I'm not trying to make you jealous or anything like that. I'm just wondering, that's me. What about you? That is a sad aspect of it. When everyone leaves, I I have friends come to see me Mm. who are leaving the homes and they get the bus back. That is hurtful. You know Mm. what I mean? Because you just stay here. I was actually in the soup kitchen few days ago and one of the staff told me joking me oh you walk around here like you own the place and all that and I replied to him oh you I used to have a go- you you get to go home after and uh, he was joking and all he shook my hand but it is that type of thing where you can't make people bitter I'm not bitter about it because I understand it yeah. and I'm more mature than that but it is a big aspect that's a big thing yeah. see people going home especially in Christmas time and all they're going home and you're staying on the street mm. <laughs> you know it is what it is you can do the smallest thing for someone and they can change the whole day when someone has so little going for them and all that they're expectations of what people would do for them are so low that even the most minimal thing will bring them way up you understand what I mean yeah yeah so keep that in mind as well if you have a good heart do something 
just even one day a week you can change people's lives, keep them from killing themselves even, you know? Yeah. Carlos, where are you going tonight now? I'm going to a hostel. Have been, you got a bed? Yeah, because I'm fortunate enough to get a bed long term now, after six months. I was The first three months I was home, I was sleeping inside bus hours uh, on a chair for three months every day. And uh, now I'm in a better place and hopefully I want to get somewhere else. I'm going to say what it is, but I want to get somewhere else. I want to get there, I'll be happy. Well, you know what? You really deserve it. Yeah, you do deserve it. I'll tell you why I don't deserve it. Because I've only been six months homeless. I have a lot of people to support me. And I've been lucky to land where I have landed with different people, as far as people I've met. Yeah, he deserves it, doesn't he? Know, Come in listen, on this, no, yeah. There's people that have been homeless for 20 years, <laughs> and they have no friends. They don't have to socialise. They don't have to build relationships because of their past experiences, you know what I mean? They have no help. Those people deserve it 20 years, and they have nobody. That's, mm. It's not hard for me. I, I, like, you know what I mean? I have people who care for me and all that. People who help me for anything at all I need. That's not hard. Calling the free phone over and over for 20 years every single day, and then going to hostels and all that. A lot of people get attacked, get robbed, drugs and all that. It's not. I'm not looking. I'm not. Um, I don't deserve. No, people were far ahead of the list of making. That's the truth. I want you to know that. So for you to say that I deserve it, it's like, oh, yeah, this is how bad it gets. No, I have it very easy. I just like to say that this guy does deserve everything that's coming his way, and he's great things ahead of him. He's one of the nicest guys I've ever met. He deserves everything that he gets. Carlos, thanks for talking to me. I wish you luck. That was completely biased, and I believe that. (laughs) You do deserve it. Listen to her. She's right. I just want people to recognise that people are going through far worse than I am. I I don't think that I represent a homeless life. I do to a degree. Mm. It's far worse than what what I'm going through. Understand that. Lynn, thank you so much for giving me so much of your time and out of the ordinary this week. People will want to know, how can we help? How can they help? Contact my Facebook page, contact Courageous Homeless Action and send me a private message and I'll get back to you straight away. Well, it's getting very late and you're going to pack up the car, head back home, do the school run in the morning. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Lynn, and thank you very much. Thank you, Brenda. It was a pleasure and I'm very grateful for you coming out. Out of the Ordinary with Brenda Donoghue on RTE Radio 1 Extra.